Slimming-inspired podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast. I'm also the founder of Blooming Inspired Network, a network that's committed to equipping and empowering women to walk out their role and reign in Jesus Christ. And speaking of empowering women, I just want to... Um, I just want to say that, that because I'm silent on particular subjects doesn't mean that I'm not noticing and don't have um, something to say about them. However, I believe sometimes that that's better for my personal platform than it is for the ministry platform because I don't, I don't want to tell people what to think. And I don't want people to think things because I do. Now, here's what I do think. I think that if we stop, if we look out there in what we call the secular world, in government, in the media, in entertainment, in, in, in the world in general, and we say out there is oppressive to women, but we fail to look in here at our universal body of Christ, um, then we have a problem. And it's a big one. And that's part of the reason why Blooming Inspired Network became such a passion for me. Because as I said in some of my podcasts that I have that I have felt like I have been a leaderless leader. I've had people who saw my gifts and drew from my gifts, but but very few would come alongside me and bring me up. And part of that's because I just tend to run ahead. I just tend to self-initiate. I just tend to do what's required. And I just keep pushing and just keep pushing. And so I feel like in a lot of ways I was brought up in leadership by Scripture. And I was brought up in leadership by experience and failing. And um, I've recently been doing some studying about that and discovering that some of our best geniuses failed and failed and failed before they they succeeded. And in our society, we've developed this false sense of excellence that says the only way to succeed is to always succeed. But we don't learn anything if we always succeed. And part of what I realize is, is what, what God says in Scripture where He says, and I don't have the reference right in front of me, He says that persecution brings perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And that means that as women of God, we should act with more integrity because of our suffering, not less. And I want to call the women of God within the sound of my voice up to a standard to where we don't transfer our experiences onto the experiences of others. Though we sympathize and we empathize and we have compassion on them and we love them, we don't judge them based on our own experience. In psychology, that's called transference. When I transfer my experience to you and assume you had the same experience I did, that's transference. So I can neither judge whether you're right or you're wrong. I can just love you. And I believe in the church, the one thing that God would hold against us today in this world, in this Western culture we live in, is we've got good structure in church, we've got good government, we've got good programs, but we've forgotten to love people and to love all people and to love them equally and to love them well. And we've forgotten to love God. We've forgotten that worshiping God is the most important thing. We've decided that one or two songs of worship will set the, the hearts of the people right because that'll give the stragglers time to get into their seats before the pastor starts preaching the message, which that's what's important. Or is it? And I'm one who preaches, so uh, I don't have a pulpit, so to speak, but I do have a podcast, and I am preaching to you now, am I not? And so setting our hearts to worship, I would, 
I would share music with you here on the podcast. As a matter of fact, when I did a radio show, I broke my show up and had worship music playing between the sets. But as I'm doing podcasting, it's a very expensive proposition to add music to a podcast because every time it's played, I should pay royalty rights. So what I've decided to do is just to avoid the music altogether until I find a better solution. So in in this very volatile cultural setting that we find ourselves in, I just want to say, I love you. And my personal testimony is that when I was a young teen, I was, well, I was an older teen, but I was, when I was a minor, I was raped um, and never told anybody about the experience until I was around 21 years old, simply because I felt guilty. I didn't believe people would believe my story. I thought he would deny it. Um, and I was ashamed and I, and, and I felt dirty and I felt humiliated. And so I just want to say to you, if that's your story, I understand why you didn't talk and why you may have needed to talk later on when people might question your judgment in telling that story. You know, I was, uh, this happened in my teens. It was probably... 15, 16, 17 years later, before I could even say it was rape, because I wasn't even completely convinced that I had not consented to it, though I had been woken from my sleep to the event. And so that's a, that's a hard thing to talk about, right? I'm not going to be explicit about it, but I woke up and it was in progress. And all I could think in my head was no. All I could fear was fear of what if the adults in the house get up and and find us and they think that that I agreed to this. What if, what if, what if, what if, and it ensured my silence and I did, and I'm, and, and this is, this is for you. If, you. if you're hurting and suffering as a result of our current political and social climate in the media, um, then this is for you. Dr. Dan Allender has a book called The Wounded Heart. It has a book and a workbook and that entire book. It's a pretty thick book, but going through the entire thing with a group of women who had suffered childhood sexual abuse from people in figures of authority. I sat in a room with them, having been raped by my peer as a teenager, and realizing that I wasn't that different than they were. I wasn't that different than they were. I trusted the person who violated me. That person should have protected me. That person should have honored me. And that person violated me. And that was not right. No matter how it happened, that was not right. And then I went back and and, and I could remember moments in the relationship where I was uncomfortable being in his presence. and, And I would catch him staring at me or peeking through windows when I was in the bathroom. And that was overwhelmingly humiliating but it also groomed me to keep this horrible secret because I hadn't objected when they did all that. I hadn't told anybody when they did all that. And so here it is, 32 years later, and I'm not haunted by it, and I'm not hurt by it, and I'm not a victim of it, and I didn't survive it. I am victorious over it because of Jesus Christ. I don't suffer. I don't hurt. I'm not defined by it. I'm not re-traumatized when I hear other people's stories. And you may say, well, that's just because you only it only happened to you once. Well, maybe. If I go back there, I can remember the fear I felt, the anger I felt, the humiliation, the shame, all of it. But I, I, I don't go back there because God so redeemed it through the process of forgiveness, through the process of inner healing, through delivering me of the things that I've partnered with as a result of it. 
I don't have to partner with victimhood and neither do you. Now, I don't want to spend our entire podcast on this, but I do want to go back into um, 1 John 3. But before I do, I want to just pray. I just want to pray. And, and really, I started that whole thread of conversation to say, unless we look at the way women have been oppressed by the church for hundreds of years, and unless that changes too, none of the conversation out there matters. Because if the church doesn't change the way they love women, the world's never going to change the way they love women. And women have been persecuted. They have been spiritually abused, sometimes sexually abused, sometimes forced to stay in situations where they were physically, emotionally, or mentally abused. And that is no longer acceptable. And that is what I'm going to speak out against for the rest of my life if I have to. So here we are. And I'm going to pray over all of this, and then we'll jump right into 1 John chapter, the end of chapter 2, and we'll run into 3 today, and I'll try to get finished with 3, and then we'll do 4 tomorrow. So Father God, I just, I come to you as we begin another week of our media being inundated with this story about some, about this woman's traumatic experience and about this man trying to defend his name and it's he said and she said and very little in between and so um and and we have senators who are just behaving boorishly and behaving um it's 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 just discouraging god and it's hurtful so many women and sexual abuse survivors and sexual abuse victims are hurting because of this climate. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would minister to them, that you would minister to their hearts, that you would cover them up in your truth, God, because your truth is the only thing that's going to set them free, one. But more than that, your truth is going to assuage the heart and, and comfort them and give them peace. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would pour out your love on them and you would send believers to them to specifically love them and have compassion on them and that you would honor them. And I pray for those, too, who have been uh, falsely accused. Uh, We aren't talking a lot about that, but in the New York Post, God, this week I read that there was two young men at a college who were falsely accused, and the woman who accused them was prosecuted and sentenced this week because she came forward and admitted that she had lied about what had happened because she was afraid of being judged for her promiscuity. And so, Lord, there is fear on both sides. And I just pray that you would bring in your perfect love and cast out that fear. That you would call this nation and your church back to its first love. And you would make us good at loving you and good at loving people. And I thank you for this opportunity to share my heart with the people um, out there. In Jesus' name, amen. So, last week we began in 1 John and we realized that, that... that God talks to us in the first part of 1 John reviewing and what he shared with us in his gospel and then teaching us about how God cleanses our heart through confession and then the test of knowing him and how we live in our spiritual state and not loving the world and not giving in to the deceptions of the last hour. And at the end of that, I want to go back and read from 24 through the end of that chapter chapter, and then come into Uh, chapter 3, because 
John is writing to this particular audience because there have been people who have claimed to be disciples of John who have come in and preached a false narrative, a false gospel. They have either misconstrued or completely manipulated the things that he has taught in the past. And now they are um, confused and they are living and acting out of that. And he talks about the Antichrist coming and saying there are many Antichrists. And so in verse 24, it says, Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it was taught to you, you will abide in him. Now get this. So Jesus has been preached from the very beginning, not just the beginning of the Gospels, but the beginning of time is what John's saying. John says, from the very beginning of time, it was Jesus who was being preached. It was the Gospel that was being preached. It all pointed to Jesus, and we all point back to Jesus now, and if we don't, then we need to not listen to that. And he says that if we abide in Christ that the anointing that lives inside of us, which is Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, teaches me to abide. The anointing is in me. That's powerful. Abiding in the Son and the Father is holding on to the promise of eternal life in and through and with Jesus Christ. You do not need that anyone teaches you. And in verse 28, it says, And now, little children, whoop, let me back up. It doesn't mean that we forsake the assembly, we forsake our teachers, and we forsake our pastors. We just don't rely on them. We don't depend on them. We eat the meat for ourselves and let it nourish us because it's not enough to eat someone else's regurgitated message. If the only thing you're doing is listening to teachers and drawing what you believe about God from that, then you're drinking regurgitated milk. You're like that little baby bird in the nest whose mother has to chew up the food and regurgitate it into her baby's mouth in order for the baby to be nourished. But at some point, that baby bird will not thrive if it's continually fed regurgitated food from its mother. It's the same thing with us. We will not thrive if we are not studying our Bibles and doing our own reading of Scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us inside of us. 28, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If we abide in Him, we have confidence and we do not have shame. See, abiding with Christ means that you know who He is and He knows who you are and He's constantly telling you about who He wants to be through you. And the more you live close to him, the more like him you become. You think about it, a little baby is born without a lot of personality, a lot of traits and stuff. But as they grow up, they develop the mannerisms of those that they are around, those that they admire, those that they value, those that they know. It's why peer pressure is so effective. It's why parental influence is so important. Because if we don't seize those opportunities, we lose them. 
And it's the same thing with Christ. If we don't seize the opportunity to abide in Him and with Him daily, then the rest of what we do doesn't matter. Because this is the key. Relationship with God through abiding in Christ is the key. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. And and we're moving into the part of this epistle that really is powerful. Because it's where we start to change our mind. It's where it says that the more time I spend with Christ and the more in Him that I am, the more like Him I become and the less propensity I have or inclination I have towards sin. doesn't mean that I've lost my ability to choose it. It just means that I choose it less and less and less. It's called sanctification. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in me. It's the work of relationship with Christ and God the Father in me. Behold what manner of love, verse 3. Now we get into the love chapter, and it's one of my favorite love chapters. It's, it's the ooey-gooey chapter of this book. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed or lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So sins of the child and God. The way he purifies us, the way he cleanses us is through the through the through the act of confession. And and you know, a lot of people teach about repentance and they use that verse as a script as the scripture to demonstrate it. First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all of righteousness. But nowhere in that passage of scripture does it say repent. Nowhere does it say repent. But here's what I've come to understand through my own experience with God. The more intentional I am about sitting down with him and praying and over and and, and laying my heart out, as we talked about last week, laying my heart out on the altar before him every day, and letting him examine my heart and expose to me my sinful inclination, my sinful choices, the things that I do that are darkness. The less I come back to them over and over and over again. And so, um, God is the one who purifies us. Now, here, here's what it says about sin. Verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he is manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Abiding in Christ, this is my note, abiding in Christ, the truth and the anointing, should lead us further and further away from sin. It should lead us not to sin. Now, you're going to say, where do you get that? But that's what he says. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor do they know him. And what I've realized in my life is that I can be moving in a direction with God. I can have confessed that morning and in the middle of my day, I do something. I exaggerate the truth or I get angry and snap out of anger or I do something that, that defies God and his law and suddenly... 
I'm getting it in here. You need to take care of that. You need to take care of that. You need to take care of that. Oh, you're stepped out. You stepped out. You stepped out. Come back, come back, come back, come back. No, don't do that. There have been times when I'll be mid-sentence and pause and go, you know what, this is not the right thing to do, and I apologize. Not just to God, but to people too. Oh, we could all learn from that, right? Little children, let no one deceive you. See, when we partner with deception, uh, Bill Johnson says this, when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. And I don't want to give Satan any more power than he's already got. I'm not going to believe a lie. I'm not going to partner with him. I'm going to partner with the work of Christ in me. And it says in John, in his gospel, it says that, um, I believe it's in John. It may be Romans. It says um, that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of judgment and of righteousness. It comes to convict you of judging your own heart and confessing before God unto salvation. And then after salvation, it convicts you and calls you up to the personhood of Christ, to, to the character and the nature of Christ. So when conviction comes after salvation, it's so we can take care of it quick and move out of it. Isn't that good? He who practices righteousness or the works of Christ live in them is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So when we partner with sin, when we persist in sin, we are partnering with the one that Jesus came to destroy his works. He wants to destroy the sin in us, not just redeem it. He wants to eradicate it. Just like you wouldn't want a cancer living in your body, you don't want sin living there either because it's cancer. The more you hold on to it, the more you entertain it, the more it persists in you, the bigger it grows and the harder it is to break free from. I'm not going to make it through three today. I might have to stop right here. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for he... His seed remains in him. The seed of Christ remains in you. Therefore, you should pursue the avoidance of sin. You cannot sin because the Holy Spirit will convict you of that sin because he has been born of God. Two times he says being born of God and in Christ equals no sin. Christ's seed in us should bring forth his fruit. True repentance is evidenced by, one, the abiding in Christ, and two, a lack of sin. Now, I'm not saying the minute you're saved, you're going to have all this down. You're not. But if, if you're saved and you want a relationship with Jesus and you pursue that relationship with Jesus and you live out that relationship daily, you should move further and further and further away from sin to where sin is of little consequence in your life, even the sins of others. So we're going to break right here, and we'll pick up in verse 10 tomorrow and read through 10 and chapter 4. 4 is a relatively short um, chapter, so we'll, we'll probably get through all of that tomorrow. So I want to um, close out today 
by encouraging you. Get in His Word. Read His Word. Let His Word inspire, encourage, drive you, perpetuate you, move you forward. It's the power of God in us to sanctify us through and through, to make us like Him, to put to death our flesh and bring to life the righteousness of Christ in us, through us, and make us an influence to the world around us. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the promises that you have written to us through the Apostle John. We thank you that your love, your perfect love, overwhelms us, that we are lavished in it, and that your truth sets us completely free. Let us walk in that freedom. Let us not settle as the Israelites did in the desert of our affliction, but let us move forward to the promised land, the promised land that we can live in today. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to let you know that um, the, the October retreat that I've been advertising, we're close enough to it now. We're a couple of weeks from it. I really think I need to go ahead and cancel that. Uh, we've had one registration for it. I need four for to make it work. And so what I'm going to do is, is just offer that you could register for the January retreat. That January retreat is from the 17th through the 19th. It's going to be here in the North Texas area. I'm currently looking for a venue, a house that will manage the number of people that I have for my budget. And so um, I will be announcing details soon about the location, probably sometime mid-November. I will have that location nailed down. And it's going to be January 17th through the 19th. It's $150 per person, and you get your um, two nights accommodation, five meals, and all the good stuff in between. And I'm excited, excited, excited about that. The second thing that I want to tell you about is our Bible study. Our October Bible study um, will run October 20th through the first or second week of March, kind of depending on how we do our schedule. Um, so, And we're going to be studying the book of Mark. It's called the Gospels verse by verse. And just like I'm doing here on the podcast, we read through the scriptures and we talk about what we're reading. And we really come to it as if um, letting the scriptures inform our inform our knowledge rather than trying to bring what we already know to the scriptures and trying to shape the scriptures around what we already know to be true about God we we let him inform us and highlight and and show us things that are new i would love to hear from you i would love to hear from you you can email me at a admin at bloominginspirednetwork.com. You can go to our website, bloominginspirednetwork.com, and fill out the contact form, and um, that will come to me, and I would be happy to pray for you. I would be happy to uh, write back to you. I just want to hear from you. Hear what God's doing in your life. Hear how I can help you. What is it that you want to start hearing on the podcast? I'm going to be bringing some guests in. I have a few people in mind to invite to bring in to the conversation uh, and to share with you. And so I'm going to be setting up appointments here soon and getting those things done. And so I'm just totally, totally, totally excited about what God's doing, where we're going, and, and what we're up to. October 20th is Bible study. That was what I was telling you, and I didn't finish it. So let me finish it. October 20th is Bible study. It is from... 
10 in the morning to 11.30 on Saturdays. And we are going to just start with the intro and, and Mark 1 uh, on October 20th. And we read a chapter a week and then we just talk through it as we go. And so it's a wonderful time to meet and have fellowship. We do it live here in Granbury. You can get all the details at the website under events. Um, to click the link for new Bible study. Also under the Bible study, I believe it's there too. And then you can also look up the event on Facebook under the Blooming Inspired Network page, which is at Blooming Inspired on Facebook. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And remember, blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your lives blooming alive. Be blessed. And this is until tomorrow, Michelle signing off.